Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Tony Squires, an Australian media personality across radio, TV and press. The former host of the comic sports show, The Fat, and is currently the host of the back page live on Fox Sports. He's an all-round good guy. And Greg Matthews, a former New South Wales and Australian cricketer. He played 33 tests for Australia, scoring four centuries and taking 61 wickets. He played 190 first-class matches, amassing a total of 8,000 runs and taking more than 500 wickets. He's worked in media, he's been a brand ambassador, and he's the first rock star of cricket. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. the show today, Tony Squires, an Australian media personality across radio, TV and press, and Gregory Matthews, or Gregory Richard John Moe Matthews, mm-hmm. a former New South Wales Australian cricketer. Welcome, Moe Matthews. Groovy, great to be here, especially, how's it go, advanced hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for the invite. Who cancelled? <laughs> <laughs> well, first things first, I want to know, um, so Tony, I reckon you're one of the best sports commentators and, and journalists in sport, but... What got you into sort of sports journalism in the first place? Almost accidental, I think, uh, that I got into sports journalism. I got into watching stuff and making a career out of it when my mother said, you know, get off the couch, stop watching TV, you'll never make a job, get a job out of that. And I thought, well, I will, and which is what I did. So was, was, I, I liked the idea. I, I played a bit of sport as a, a young person, and I was, I was okay at league and okay at cricket, um, but there are a lot of people who, like Greg – gave more heart when they, when they played than I did. So I loved watching it, and I, I was a journo, so, and, and still am. And so at the Sydney Morning Herald, I edited the sports section, and then Roy and HG were doing stuff on the ABC, and I was mates with them. And I, I gave a, a birthday speech for HG Nelson, and ABC people were there, and they said, well, you want to come and do a TV show about sports? So, you know, one kind of thing. But you, mean, you, you, were a, you were a theatre critic, you were a film critic. Yeah. You, uh, travel writer, you've had a diverse. Yeah, no, I like to comment on what other people do. Yeah, uh, rather than do it myself is the thing. Uh, all those things that you fall into when you do journalism back in the day. When you do journalism, that's what it's about. It's about doing, being well-rounded and having a look and thinking. Yeah, I could do politics. Mm-hmm. I, I can do sport. I can do tele, you know, television. You can do a, a bit of everything, and then you find what you're passionate about, and then you'll work out that I actually am better at writing about it or talking about it if I love it. And you know, it's just a basic rule, really. And Mo, you you've done you've done it all too, mate. Some of my, I'm glad you come on the show, mate. Because some of my best and funniest moments um, in sport was playing with you. Really enjoyed your company, mate. Yeah, thank you. Because you've just reminded me, you uh, ended my career. <laughs> well, you actually started my career because, um, and unfortunately, when you were hit by that idiot in the hippie club, I was playing a Colts game for New South uh, New South Wales, and I was called up. So and you ended my career in Newcastle when you threw a ball. I stopped it with my foot, broke my foot, and never got another game. And that allowed Bre- and that, that allowed Brett to come in as twelfth man. Got made by the ladder. And what are you doing with yourself these days, mate? I'm very fortunate to be part of a, a great startup company called Lotus Energy Co-op. We've got some nice things going on in Ethiopia, in India. We we have offices in in England. We're doing a bit of work. We're just a little startup mob, but we're really proud of the stuff that we're doing. And hopefully we're going to make a, a big contribution to the workforce in Australia and globally. I don't like Fingers to get too far in yeah. front of myself, yeah. I'm like, it's interesting with the virus and everything that's going on. It makes things a little more difficult. But then again, it 
the sun always rises and, it, you know, we're sitting yeah. here and everything around us is all about energy and the renewable energy space is quite exciting these days cool. because clearly our earth is in great need of, of help. We're not looking too good on, on every front, the human front with the pandemic and, yeah. and yep. also just our, our universe is collapsing. So we're, I'm, I'm part of a company that, that has the ability and the, the options to, to move everything forward from the individual to the, to the bush. So in a pandemic tone, like, and you host the, the back page, Yep. What, what do you talk about when there's no sport on? <laughs> you go back and you find vision from the 60s and 70s, basically, <laughs> which is what we did. Our show had to stop uh, for a little while in, in terms of the way we were doing the back page, partly because we couldn't get people into the studio uh, because of all those restrictions uh, and partly because there was no sport to actually talk about. So for the, during that break, we wanted to keep going, so we just did – series of specials where we did top tens of various bits and pieces of, uh, you know, sporting stupidity. But that uh, was just you. Where was the rest of the panel? I watched your show <laughs> yeah, religiously. At last, it was just me, <laughs> Mo. The thing I've been crying out for for all those years happened. But that, So that's the only way we can get through it. And then as it started to come back, as the as uh, Prime Minister Peter Volandis obviously got the, <laughs> yeah. got, got the NRL up and running very quickly, and then when the AFL, although – you know, it's all such a movable feast now, isn't it? We're seeing what's going on in Victoria, but when those things started to come back, then then we could get the the team back together and uh, and get through. So where's sport at in your head, Mo, right now in this country and around the world? It's because it's changed a lot. It's got a lot of professional quite quickly, and you're you're a big part of that. Where's where's sport at right now? Do you think? I'm I'm incredibly proud. I, I got lucky, played a couple of games for Australia and a few more for New South Wales, but without doubt, my greatest contribution is was that initial. The ACA, when it, it was set yep. up, it created a voice for, for the players. The Australian Cricket Association has done a, a remarkable job and um, and led the way, along with the AFL, of, mm. of, of improving players' lots and getting away from that inverted commas master-slave situation that we yeah. used to have. I'm like, when I, Tony, used to play for Australia, I had to sign my invitation because I was oh, invited really? to play for Australia. Wow. Is that right? <laughs> I was a guy called Ron Steiner. I was walking out to, to bat on the field in my... My first test Good match. Good black um, He had his moments. <laughs> he was on the dark side. He worked for the Australian ACB, as they were called then. Right. Uh, but uh, he grabbed me and said, you haven't signed your, your invitation. I'm like, yeah. Lily Chapel Marsh, I'm going out <laughs> wow. in the first test match. I've got a thousand things going on Boxing Day. And Mel was like, hey, you got to sign this bit of paper. I'm like, and that was the mentality. It was like nuts. So to, to be on the initial exec with uh, Shane Warne, Steve Orr, Tim May did fantastic work. Tony Dottomate and myself, we all had different roles. We we held the line really well and uh, through SEL as well, Sports Entertainment Limited, that were working with us at the time, we did a – I think we've done a great job of setting a great foundation 100%. for the future of sports people, men and women in Australia. So, And, and not just us, you know, we, yeah. we're helping a lot of other sports as well. Some are – really want help and, and others yeah. don't want as much, which has really surprised me. Yeah. There's no doubt that as a young cricketer um, and a cricketer playing now, they should be very thankful to Kerry Packer. It should be Ian Chappell, what he did with Tony Gregg and yourself, right? And around <laughs> with the ACA. Like, you guys have done a lot for professional, particularly in cricket. Well, I think the, the, the most important thing that World Series provided for the players was it gave them a three- to five-year contract. Yeah. Now, before that, when you went to get a bank loan to buy a place, well, where's your income? Where's your contracts? Blah blah blah. You, you didn't your, have them. Where's your invitation? Yeah, where's your invitation? <laughs> you didn't have. You didn't have them. But but when the three year contracts came out, guys could go to a bank and say, "Hey, inverted commas, the money for some was fantastic." Clive Lloyd 
received an Australian citizenship, U-Butte. Ian and, and Greg got lifetime jobs and a couple of the other guys got a U-Butte. But on the whole, the coin wasn't that much more significant. But it mm. gave stability, it gave a platform, it gave a voice for the players. It, it's important people understand that. And then in comes the – and it's crazy. Maybe in my book one day I'll really tell the truth about how it sort of rolled out after that. Yeah. But then, then you had – Kim Hughes, I'm on a roll here. Um, we were going to the West Indies in 84 and when the – we, we ain't got long enough. We've only got 30 minutes. So, and I'll take up too much of your time. So. But, 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 I'll tell you, Kim Hughes negotiated on his bloody own. Kim Hughes. Wow, yeah. We're in the Hilton Hotel in Melbourne, punching the air about a whole host of things. We're going down there because the Australian cricketers, ACB wanted us to sign six-month extended contracts without being paid, without being remunerated in any way, shape or form to make sure that they, we held loyal to them because there was a rebel tour about to <clears throat> be on, yeah, which yeah. I was the last person to be invited on, by the way. So I knew it was going down. I'm thinking we're dead in the water here, but Kim goes down at the ACB and negotiates three-year bloody contracts. It was wow. unbelievable. Did he that. ever get a wow. rap? No. Wow. AB comes in as leader. Fell off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I knew he was upset. <laughs> well, it was, it was that's, that's why I cried at yeah. that press conference when you But we could have moved it on. And, and there was a guy that's much maligned in the world and much disrespected in many ways, but yeah. a superhuman being on his bloody own. And I love watching him bat. Yeah. So what was Average 37 in seven tests. Unbelievable. Yeah, no. That 100 in Melbourne. Took him on. And even yeah. 100, 191. DK took the – broke Richie's record for most wickets. Um, that was one of the greatest digs ever. But taking him on cost him big time. His last 10 tests, he wouldn't average yeah. 10. What was, um, what was it like playing in that team with, with the Lilies, the Marshes? Some big, big personalities there. I remember that. There was a footage – <laughs> Here he comes. I remember that footage of you, um, so Dancerly running in the last ball of the match in Melbourne, I think, to Viv, and Viv chopped it on, and DK's running off. And there was energy around him. Everyone's just trying to get in there. I remember you just running and celebrating, and there's some big, big personalities. I don't want to get too f- – that was a little bit before my time. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a test or two before. But if you watch Alan Border, he write, runs up to grab uh, – four for ten, the West Indies were at the end of day yeah. one, Dennis three, Autumn and the other one, after Kim's – brilliant innings and you watch AB jump on Dennis's back and it's just this awe around him kind of like when you meet Mick Jagger he just bounces off him yeah it kind was... of like when you meet Mick Jagger. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> How many people can drop that into a sentence? I've met him. <laughs> you you haven't met yeah. Mick Jagger. Yeah. You both met Mick Jagger. Everyone's no, met two me. people out of three have met Mick yeah. Jagger. Yeah. How hopeless am I? But, well, he, he loves his cricket. It's Does. crazy. It's nuts. And Ronnie and, and lots of them too. Charlie, he's got more memorabilia than <laughs> the Bradman Museum, for God's sake. <laughs> I, I remember the, the 99 World Cup when we won and we're sitting in the Lord's change room and um, I was sitting next to Charlie Watts and Brennan Julian said to me, there's the old bloke next to you. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> serious, Charlie, what's from Rolling Stones? He goes, no way, man. Seriously. <laughs> what's he doing with his granddaughter? Or he's married to her. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter O'Toole is another guy who jumped in on the yeah. 85 tour. And it was amazing uh, how few people knew or know who he actually was um, when you show pictures of him. I've got it on my camera. I should have had it up. I had a name we were going in this direction. Yeah, um, yeah it, it was it, – I saw him every day. That and, and this is a nuts thing about being a sportsman, too, yeah. and and even a journo, with all due respect to a certain extent. Elton is crazy for cricket, yeah. and would give their left and right one mm-hmm. to have a day or just be play one test, 
and I think a lot of musos, yeah. like I'm Shane Lee, the Shane Lee band, the Brett yeah. Lee band. So I'm sorry, six and out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Cheek Week. Cheek Week. Gav Robinson. Another member of the, the off-spinning, yep. spinning family. I hope he's strong. I yep. hope he's getting healthy. I'm hearing great things. Yeah, Big well. comeback. Well done, Steve Waugh. Yeah. Dr. Chan, thank you very yeah. much for your yeah. support. Um, that they want to get into the opposite sort of thing. Like, you know, they, we, we look at them and go, wow, rock star, you beauty. You know, yeah. like Mick Slater was backstage with Bon Jovi. I think yeah. he even went out there and got some Superman tattoo on his, you know, like. Know. And, um, got up on stage with Cold Chisel, I think, as well, didn't there he? There you go. Did, Mike, yeah, Mike, yeah. Mike Whitney as well was sort of the first guy I saw get up. And I was like, Jesus, Roy, you can see. Big Roy O'Connor, ladies and gentlemen. You can <laughs> sing. You are hot, brother. Yeah. I'm like, and after that, he went through the roof. But so, as a, as a journo, like, so you've, you've been in a job for quite a while. Yep. Guys like Greg when he played, fantastic, would often give a lot of comment, happy to talk to the media free and openly. Yep. Do you find it's changed a lot with the players these days? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, taking it one groin strain injury at a time kind <laughs> yeah, of right, answers, really. isn't there? That's, yeah. And, and look, that's difficult. All players are schooled these days in what they can. That's why it's so refreshing when there are players who actually do say something. Mm. And, you know, people like even Cam Smith, who gets as much maligned, yeah. uh, is a terrific like because he actually, uh, it's because he's got that that elder statesman thing about him that he will he will talk. He doesn't he doesn't care about his career. He's probably got enough cash uh, you know, as he goes. But it is great to have those players who are happy to be open and and like Greg also just to on the field as well that thing of and I don't know how it affected you through your career. I know that when you first started, someone like Alan Border, who was a, very much a straighty 180, must have been freaked out a little bit by this guy, yeah. then saw that he could play. But as a team person, was it, you know, was being, did you, were you aware you were slightly different? Yeah, in that I was far more traditional than a lot of the players. Yeah. I wore my blazer every yep. day in India and I was abused for that by my players because the guys, nah. were, guys were dirty on the fact that I'm like, man, I'm never going to wear this sucker again. I'm, I want to wear it all the time. I, I think the only thing I can say that's a 101% accurate is that I always left my blood on the field. There was never I a time no one could ever point their finger at me and say, you didn't leave it out there, whereas... Sometimes I got the distinct impression with some of my brothers that they could have just done a little bit more and, and that bothered me hugely. And it was very, very difficult at times when you are in an environment, any environment, doesn't matter where you are, in the, in, at school, at, at, in the workplace, uh, in politics, where you feel as though people are not actually working together and working towards a common goal. It creates angst where their personal agenda is far more important yeah. than what is yep. important for the unit and the team. And there was way too much of that in my time, uh, way, way, way too much of it. And that hurt me hugely on a yeah. personal level, you know, because you, you – well, like Shane, you've done bloody hell, he's done two World Cups, one, one World Cups for God's sake. And, yeah. you know, you got that vibe in 99, certainly the wheel or the – had turned big time. There yeah. was a lot of unity. I think Mark Taylor never gets the raps for creating that environment. He, he was, was a just cap. a great leader. Yeah, he was, yes. he, See, was, was he wasn't a great captain. He was a great leader. That yeah. was the key. Because he always put everyone in front of himself. He, you know, that's one of the things I loved about him. Sorry, Tone. No, I was going to say, because I've always been happy to give about 73%. <laughs> that's just, it's always that's the timing. It's a pass. It's a pass. <laughs> it is a pass. I remember because when you talk about sports people or any industry where you, you, you give everything that you possibly can, and, and I, I probably do, but 
I remember I hosted the Olympics for Channel 7. In Athens? Uh, yeah. And oh, what a name. How many people here can this train yeah, can right, say yeah. they've hosted the Olympics? Yeah, yeah. Over there? <laughs> what other rock stars? Well, the, the sad news is that if they were there, I would have forgotten their names, as I did with Michael Phelps <laughs> when I was oh, introducing wow. him oh. uh, on screen, prime time, and his name just left me completely. So it's Michael Phelps, who the greatest yes. Olympian of all time. I think it's 20, 28 medals, 23, 23 gold. And I... Literally had to do the man who needs no introduction <laughs> because I had no, I could not think of his name. 28, hey. 20, 17, 23, was it? Or I'm, I'm, 28 is 28 all up, 23 gold. Ooh. It's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good record. One that I probably should have known before I decided to speak to him. <laughs> Mate, I, I can't believe you missed that moment about the 99 World Cup, that book you, you brought along with the Ah, no, yeah, book absolutely. You were talking about. Yeah, we, no, we, we've done research on you as well. Oh, no, I, here we go. Yeah, so right. I thought, I thought, you know, I was Marcus Trescothic, one of my favourites. Great yeah, opening bats for England. I played with him at Somerset. And there those, look at those blue eyes, obviously. Know, yeah. You know, he's just glaring at the, uh, at the camera there. Now, uh, <laughs> I, I do like this book here. It was, um, I'll just read a little bit of it for you. Yeah. It was England's turn to stage the World Cup that summer. Uh, gave me the chance to face Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne for the first time. Uh, the event did not go down as one to tell their grandchildren. Uh, Australia with Glenn, Shane, Mark and Steve Waugh, Michael Bevan and Shane Lee, far and away the best team in the world, came to Taunton. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Woo. Rock and roll. Wow. Is that you really? Or is that a typo? <laughs> no, well, he, yeah, he did have some issues in the end, didn't he? <laughs> but no, he's uh, – but I, yeah, I played with him. I, I first picked him for Somerset um, when I played there in uh, 96. He was about 18. And he's a good player. Good player, Mark. He's a good bloke now. Right? <laughs> first time in – Yeah. He wasn't talking about Brett. He was talking no, about Shane. Shane, yeah. yeah. I was in big time. One of the great teams, mate. Um, I'm can, I, can I get a copy of that book? Yeah, you could. You have to ask Mo. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold it there for a minute. We'll be back right after this. It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch with Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin delivered to your door every two months plus the latest issue of their beautiful Gin Journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com. Just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies, 
and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Mate, you've got literally hundreds of highlights over your career, mate. You won Shields, you've played in tight tests, you've scored test centuries. If you had to think back right now, what's the one moment you're most proud of? Ooh, I guess I would like to a bit of advance on that. Uh, I would have to say, hand on heart, it was definitely off the field with the ACA. I'm like, mm. playing for New South Wales is very different from playing for Australia, and I tend to have blue blood instead of green and gold blood because I very much felt as I was part of that setup. But the ACA, just being there at the forefront of changing the face of the player's opportunity and giving them the opportunity to to really be able to carve out a fantastic niche and uh, a whole world, new world that didn't exist in my time. And just having a mouthpiece was massive for me. The hardship fund. I'm like, I'm fortunate enough to work for the Australian Cricketers Association in a very small capacity. Look after the ACT New South Wales and overseas players. And I, I ring up, try to ring someone every day, and I have in, during the virus, to just talk to them about how they're going. And in particular, our senior players. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was Gordon Rourke's 82nd birthday um, on the 27th of June, a couple of days, three, four days ago. And we had another chat today, him and Rosie. Um, it's like you talk to these cats, big, ugly, fast bowlers, just yeah. the sweetest bloke they ever walked in. I was talking to Warren Saunders today, fantastic. Couldn't get on to Frankie Nissen, uh, Alan Watt, uh, Norma, uh, our oldest female um, test cricketer, 91 years old. It's, wow. it's, it's an enormous thrill for me to hear how they're doing because back in their day, especially our girls, our women, you know, they'd go on Leamington drives, for yeah. God's sake, and they'd play on grounds that the grass is a foot long. Can I take you onto the cricket field, though? Yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm just, and I'm better at asking questions than answering questions. <laughs> can, I was going <laughs> I want to ask you. <laughs> Should I agree with that? Can I just take you onto the field in 1986, that tide test? I mean, no, I'm, I'm sure you don't get sick of talking about it, but... Mm. No one ever asked. The story. <laughs> the Let me tell you why they don't ask. It's, it's interesting. If something goes on in Australia. You didn't even have to ask a question. You didn't have to but finish it. Did you know that, that the master tape for that, do you know what happened to the master tape of that no. tie test match? In comes the next shift of, of Indian EPs. Yeah. <laughs> no tape. So he, there's a ping pong tournament going on. So he tapes over the top of the tie <laughs> test. Oh, no, that's not that's true. That's far more important and exclusive that's for, for podcasts. Tr- that's lunch fantastic. With Lee. That's so, fantastic. I like, and you talk about the, you know, the people when you're working with your, your brothers and so on, which is great. I love that you biggie up Ray Bright. All the stories oh, are about man. Dean Jones. All the stories Get about me. you and your jumper. <laughs> all the stories. All the stories. <laughs> about to break his cherry. <laughs> about you t- t- ten wickets bowling unchanged on the last day. All of those things are, are, are amazing. And you biggie up Ray Bright. And so, what, <laughs> that's why, a statement. Yeah. It's not a question. Why was his role so important? Well, f- firstly, I need to debunk a couple of things about the Tide Test. It was definitely. Very, very warm, north of 40 degrees. Humidity was horrific. There was an open sewer just outside the ground. The ground was encased with the cement stadium, so it radiated the heat more on the ground. It was very warm. It was very humid. It was monsoon season. In the 1980s, no one ever talks about this, and this is another exclusive for your podcast. Loving this. In the 80s, how many test matches were played? Across the world, how many were played? 
In the decade. In the decade. Just come on, humor me uh, here. In the decade, uh, so 120. 120? Yeah, I'll go 100. 166. Wow. Of the 166 test matches, which test match provided the most runs? Tied test. Tied test. How many? Well, 1,488. Yeah. Wow. 1,488 runs. Guess what the score was at the end of day one on the flattest surface in the history of uh, test matches played in the 80s? Unfair. We were two down. How many were we? Not many. 100 probably. 211. <laughs> two for 211 yeah. on the flattest deck. A thousand <laughs> degrees. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> Talk about blokes. James was 56 not out. PB just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got out for 122. Ray Bright went out as night watchman, which I found strange because no one ever doesn't seem to know that Ray and I would, he taught me how to drink 750 mil bottles of Indian beer because it had all the glycerin in it. Yeah. So you turn it upside down and it spew out all the glycerin, you turn yeah. it up. So you're not <clears throat> getting all the other goodies as well. So we used to <laughs> drink the Pelicans and a few other things and, and I hung out with Ray a hell of a lot on the tour. And, um, he, he got food poisoning, and he was one very, very, very crook. You know, everyone had a session. I had a month, the last test there in Delhi. Uh, it was five days. I was carried from the bus onto a three-quarter size bed with the toilet being a metre away from me, and it's sometimes too, you just... too far. Wow, too, <laughs> sometimes too far. you didn't make it. Yeah, that's Ray, happened to me dozens of times <laughs> on a Saturday night. <laughs> Ray was in a lot of trouble, and he, he was made night watchman. I'm, I'm thinking, this guy's... Dying. What, what are you yeah. doing? But Ray so was not watching. Yeah. And he batted about half an hour the next day. He got 33. Now he was walking off, and you could see him just starting to lose it. <laughs> Collapses. Uh, and, I'm, and, and that really helped me understand how difficult it was. But the Dean Jones thing, the double, great. Yeah. I'm not, you know, like 200 on the flattest service in the history of Test Match cricket in the 80s. Well done. A lot of courage. AB scores 105. Capsy. Capel Dev drops him at short mid-wicket on zero. Oh. On zero, Capsy. There were one, two, three, four, maybe 500 scored. Uh, Jonah scored about 7 8% of the runs, 14% of the runs. Ray gets a 33. Where's Ray fielding? Ray's fielding in the covers. <laughs> Dean Jones gets his 210. <laughs> he goes to hospital. He gets a drip. Guess where Dean Jones turns up the next day? You know, he's, he's running around in the covers. It's like... Why the hospital? What the hell was all that about? And if you watch the miracle address and you hear Capital Deb talking about it, you know, he's just taking the mick out of Jonah big time because, you know, we could have done it a lot better than him instead of him having to tell everyone how crooked he was and blah, blah, blah. But Ray, fielding in the covers, let's just start with that. <laughs> I was down at Fine Leg, <clears throat> deep backwards square, and i got to admit that the radiation coming off, it was great. Um, but Ray, get to day five. And he's a shot duck. He's he's looked like he's had for a normal person thirty skinners, but he looked like he'd had fifty. Yeah. And he was sort of wandering around to look out, here we go, boof, and he hits the deck. Flaps. And he gets carried off. His feet are dragging along the ground, he's unconscious, catches up from one or two. He is a mess. As Dave Gilbert tells me, no air conditioning in the change rooms in those days. He gets laid down on a bed. They soak a towel to wet it and then put ice on top of it so it sticks to the towel. That was our method of keeping cool. Yeah. Get the fan with the big uh, bucket of ice rolling over you with the ice as well. And he's falling in and out of consciousness. And a great tide. Because the beers are hitting on the We weren't drinking. We weren't drinking beers that during the tide test. I got to tell you, yeah. we were pretty knackered. We we were hitting the sack pretty early. 
And Dave Gilbert, another trivial pursued question for the tie test. Who was 12th man for the tie test? Dave Gilbert. Dave Gilbert. Yeah. Well done. You know your sort, Dave. Yep. And, and, and you do. I love watching your show. I watch your show huge. I just can't believe you don't have Sandman on in that comedy section down the end there. Just because he knows a bit about sport at well. I'm, he I'm does. Isn't you defending people like That's good. See, yeah. you're bigging up. I like yeah. Stevie. I'll yeah, get I'll him on, him. actually. We've had him on a thousand yeah. shows in the past, Sandman. Yeah, but not. The back page, because I've seen about... He was it 73? the costume. It doesn't exist anymore. 73% <laughs> <Sandman>. of <laughs> So he's feeling crook. He's unconscious, and I, I was sort of looking around thinking, wow, we're in a world of pain here. And I thought, gee whiz, we've got to do something to sort of help the team out a bit here. So I call Lizard sleeveless. And he, anyway, I get my sleeve, and he said, do you want your jumper? I said, yeah. And I, I had to walk to the change rooms to get it. And I wanted to say to the Indians, because that's how easy it is out here, it's not too hot. So yeah. I, I threw a sleeve. On, I've got people saying I'm wearing two long sleeves and blah, 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 just a lot of shit. Yeah. But on everything, one of them, here's my greatest moment, there I say. Playing with Dennis and some of the stuff he said was fantastic. But Ray, I turned to my right and I saw him walk out into the field and you just totally dehydrated. I've never cried dry tears. Oh, really? I just started, I couldn't believe that this guy would get up knackered 34 years old 33 years old overweight not a very athletic guy and he rocks out onto the field and and turns the game takes three for gets his back into the game and and it never gets a mention it's appalling it never gets and one last question for you you both know this Dennis Lilly, 70 wickets at 23, which is crazy because he took 3-5-5 at 23 in his test career as well. In World Series cricket, was a leading wicket-taker. Who was second uh, in the wicket-taking for World Series cricket? Ray Bright. Ray Bright took 40 wow. over Lenny, Gilmore, Sauce, all these guys. Yeah. yeah. And I, he turned the test for us. You, you do notice the little things, Mo. I remember once, um, I can't remember what context it was in, but you said to me, you know the most erotic thing I've ever seen? Oh, dear. And I, was, and, and, I, and I said, what, what's that, Greg? And he said, just saw Viv Richards eating a mango. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man. 1984. <laughs> Man, that seed had no anything left on it. It was like those big white teeth yeah. nailing. Were there other mangoes lined <laughs> up behind it? <laughs> I just, I'm like, tick me, tick me. Viv, Viv, cut. <laughs> they're the super guy. I think Ian Batham and I were the only two white cricketers. I'm not being racist, but as Vivi, you and Beefy, the only two white cricketers I've had in my home. He invited me to his home in '84. I, I got on. I don't know why, but I got on very well with him, and I think I got him out more than Ian Batham as well, two, three times. Um, all caught in the fence, mind you. you know, <laughs> <laughs> one but, he, but he used, he, and he still does. He, oh, he walks man. in a room now, Vivi, he owns it. There's some serious energy around him. Yeah, yeah. He's just – It would be tough to bowl to, too, I'm sure. Although yeah. you said you knocked him over quite a few times. I, I got lucky against Viv. It's crazy. He, he, he tended to play a, a bit harder against friends, inverted commas, like Beefy didn't have a lot of luck. Yeah. Um, and uh, not, mate, not me either, but I, I did get Viv. I didn't get a lot of opportunities with the ball as such um, – but um, Viv, I got got a few times. Crazy. What, what would you say your sporting highlight is, Tony? Uh, as a me performing in sport, I, either or. 
Uh, I, I think, um, look, as a, a player, I have no real highlights at all, to be honest. Stockton fifth grade. What about on winning. the show then, more Stockton importantly? Stockton fifth on grade your winning show. your competition yeah. was pretty good. We won, and Andrew Denton's team called Failure, we, uh, we did pretty well. Beautiful. But uh, on, the, on the show, you, you've had so many mega stars yeah. in the history of sport. Yeah, absolutely. And Kathy Freeman, one of our icons on Fraser. And, you know, and I mentioned two women, I'm stoked with that. But your yeah. pyramid is phenomenal. No, it is huge. All those people are, uh, you know, whenever I was, when first doing, started doing the fat and you'd stand there and <clears throat> see the sports person come down the corridor as it been, you know, arriving at the ABC, it was just such a joy because all I am is a massive fan of sport. Mm. So to get that moment where you can sit next to a sports star, whether it be, you know, the Australian cricketers were always, you know, huge in, in my book and always will be. But even someone as kind of mind-blowing, George Foreman comes on the show. Mm. Even though he's got his jaw, the grill. And his grill, yeah. And his grill. And, and, and made, made more out of that than boxing. <laughs> he did. Absolutely. Absolutely. With all his five, I mean, his sons heavy called George. T- heavy eight title of 48. Hulk Hogan turned that down, that grill. No way. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. He knocked out more. So that wasn't George's idea. No. I oh, see. I was going to say that was my greatest interview, but it's not because yeah. he was lying the entire time. one of those grills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rappers wear. He knocked out more that light heavyweight than oh. up to heavyweight at forty-eight. He was down eleven rounds, one just a straight yeah. ride, bang. But he'd, he'd beaten Joe Frazier. He'd done a whole. The Lets didn't beat yeah. Joe Frazier. Knocked him down seven times uh, in three absolutely. rounds. Absolutely. And then seventy-four yeah. Zaire. Yeah. But then you, you know those you, you sit next to that person and and hear those stories. It's always amazing, but it can be just other. Interviewing Michael Parkinson on the show, who yeah, is a massive legend. sports fan as yeah. well, and a legend because he crosses the things that I want to do. He, you know, and yeah, my, my first question to him yeah. because he, he's also somebody who asks questions, you know, usually rather than answering them. Yep. So he sat down, and my, and my first question to him was, "So you want to ask me anything?" <laughs> <laughs> he would have laughed. Yeah, he what a sweetie! Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And he finished the interview, and he went and sat behind the camera in, in the front of the studio audience to watch the rest of the show and then yeah. talk about it after it. So, did you see yeah. that interview we did with Ali? Oh, yeah. yeah, amazing. yeah. Did, Any guy got into amazing. a more pickle was yeah. Bert Newton. Yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I wonder if so I'll ask you both this question. So I love school parents who obviously listen to this show, but what advice would you give a young person, boy or girl, who wants to go into potentially sports journalism? At the moment, it's very difficult to get into it. Journalism is one of those careers because there are so many platforms at the moment for people to express their opinion uh, or, you know, to write. The traditional, yes, I'm going to go through, you know, either journalism school, there's no cadetships any, anymore anywhere. It's quite difficult. The numbers uh, are dwindling mm. in terms of journalism. So it's a, you wouldn't go jump in. It's, yep. it's fabulous. But what you would, would say is that if you are pa- passionate about it, there are, you've got to use the, the advantages of there are a lot of spaces that you can try. And, and look, I'm, I'm an old bloke now, so you know, in terms of the new an media. Old bloke. I'm, I'm almost 60. <laughs> oh, I don't believe you. Not yeah. that colour. Yeah, I, <laughs> <Wow>. I get <laughs> $5 trips all over the state and a train. From how, about if you just, how about if you just cut to the quick and say, Find a new job, pick a different career. Because <laughs> find a different them, career. The newspaper is going to be around in five years. Hardly not. There's, the social streaming. You don't need to be a pro to get a job. I, I agree with you. I mean, for me, it's still I need to feel uh, the newspaper in oh, my hands. Don't I miss it? I'm I a tactile do. guy. I still I get You're it delivered tactile? every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel it. You know, I don't believe it until I've read it in a newspaper. Yeah. I remember uh, sitting around the New South Wales changers one day. It was raining, and um, sitting there, and, and Michael Bevan's reading the the Australian the broadsheet. Broadsheet, right? yeah. And he sort of looks down and he goes, Howard, 
Is he Labor or Liberal? <laughs> he did. And Mo goes, man, you got to get up to your politics, Bevo. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what, what advice would you give a, a young sports person coming through now? Yeah, you know, just to, I'll, I'll toe out the line, just follow your dream. If you, you really want to do something, it doesn't matter what it is, sports journalism, being a sports person, um, you know, a doctor, a garbologist, a, a limo driver. If they, we have different strokes for different folks. If you mm. dig doing what you're doing, I think that's the most important thing in, in life, to do what you want to do. 100%. And if you want to be a sportsman, well, it obviously comes, you'll, you need a bit of discipline, which I never have. You need a bit of talent, but you need uh, a very tough exterior. One of the great things, the greatest thing I see about what's happening, certainly in Australian cricket, I'm not going to say rugby league or other sports, but just what I see in Australian cricket, you, you both alluded to um, people are not free spirits anymore. Yeah. They, they get counselled and everything. The greatest learning curve for myself and a lot of people that I talked to in the 80s and 90s that were coming through was before all this jive started with the under-12s, the under-13s, the under-14s, 15s, 16s, 17s, 18s, this bubble that kids play in. I, I played against men when I was very young. Uh, my grade career, I think, started at 14, 15. And to walk into a change room and you know, just take this for what it is, you, I, I went in my gear, blokes were walking around the nude. I'm like, what the hell is that? Jesus. And they yeah. were talking about work. They do that at Fox Sports too. <laughs> <laughs> they, they used to. They're talking about time, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> SBS late night yeah, movie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they talk about work and they talk about marriages, relationships, and a lot of things that men talk about. And it yeah. was like, holy moly. It, Grew me up real bloody quick, more so than playing in the under 19s teams for it, in a positive way for you or not. Oh, on on the whole, back then it was hard to understand anything that was going yeah. down because I was I'm like I was a punk. I was 14, 15, but it, it got me going pretty quick. Yeah, and you were just treated a certain way, and it wasn't bullying like I experienced later in my sporting career, but. It was definitely a huge eye opener. And now Premier Cricket, the ACA give $10 million a year, $8.8 million actually per annum to grassroots cricket, grade cricket Fantastic. clubs. I don't know, 10K to every yeah. grade cricket club to keep an old bloke in the game. And I've applied for that, but no one seems to want me. <laughs> but it's, it is going to be great in that the old way is I think going to rear its head again, where senior players are going to be talking to kids instead, right. instead of the right, kids. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to I want to thank you both for coming on the show. I think um, when I put the idea to put you two together today, I thought it's going to be a good laugh, and it has been. You're both two guys. Well, Moe in particular, I enjoyed playing cricket with you, mate. You, you give me some fantastic memories. But both of you, uh, we we could talk about a range of topics. It's never boring, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, guys. That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Tony Squires and Greg Matthews. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. And the Paddington for putting on a fantastic lunch. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. You can also check us out on our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be changing some more complete legends to discuss more about music, sport and business on another Cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. <laughs>